Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and this week's interview is with a muralist slash surfboard artist who is living the RV lifestyle, artist Nicole Miller. Her artwork is solid. It's so good. Her marketing efforts are on point. She's making a lot of effort. So it's no wonder Nicole is making a great living as an artist, even though she's traveling around every couple years to a new location. So yep, she's living in an RV and she's starting over every time her and her husband and dogs (laughs) change locations, which means her clientele starts over. How does she do it? By going out and meeting people in person through live painting mostly. She doesn't stay within the walls of her studio or in her case, an RV or rented storage unit. (laughs) She goes out into the world and boldly creates in public. So how about instead of creating art in the safety of your art space today, you take it outside? Or you know, if the weather isn't cooperating, then maybe take it into an indoor public space or message an event center about live painting at their next shindig or go live online while you paint something, anything to get you out and about because you have to be creating anyway, right? We have to paint the thing. So why not paint the thing with an audience? So listen to this interview to hear how Nicole is doing it, and I bet her results will talk you into it. So let me know what you think about this week's episode with Nicole Miller. Hi, guys. I'm here with Nicole, and we are going to be talking about all about her mural business, and she paints surfboards and all cool kinds of stuff. So Nicole, can you give us a little bit of briefing on who you are and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, of course. I actually, I grew up on the Jersey Shore, right where they filmed the terrible show, Jersey Shore. <laughs> So I was just like a bit of a beach bum. I actually didn't surf, but a lot of my friends did. And I would paint ocean scenes my whole life. I was always an artist from, I can't even remember a time that I didn't create art. So I would paint waves and that sort of thing. And about seven years ago, my friends started giving me their surfboards because they knew that I could do something with it. And I just fell in love with it. Now here we are seven years later and I've done like close to 150 surfboards since that time. So that's how like it started with the surfboards. But I always sold my art in the summers as a teenager and through college. I went to college for to actually be an art teacher, which looking back, I think as like a 17 year old kid, it's really hard to pick what you want to do with your life. And I knew I loved art. So that's what I ended up going to school for to teach art. I lasted about four years doing that and I met my husband and we moved to Key West, Florida because he's in the military. So we moved down there and about two years into living there is when I quit teaching for good because I think I was surrounded in like a really amazing town for it. (laughs) If you've ever been to the Keys, it's so vibrant and like very celebratory of the arts. So it was just like a really inspiring time for me to finally pull the trigger on going full time. So I did that. And now we actually live in San Diego, California now. So I've been full time for about two and a half years ish. (laughs) Awesome. So tell me, how do you paint a surfboard? What kind of paint do you use? For the way that I do it, I actually upcycle boards. So I'll get like a used surfboard and I have to prep it a lot before I even start painting it. So I'll have to like, sometimes they have wax and like stomp pads on them, like the things that are stuck on for you to be able to ride it. So I have to get all of that off, wipe it down with acetone, make sure everything's off of it, sand it. And then I'll use acrylics and paint pens. If you've ever seen Posca paint pens, 
I use those and then I'll seal them with a spray, just the Rust-Oleum satin spray. And then I, sometimes I'll do spar urethane too, if I feel like it needs it. But yeah, that's it. And then it's done. You just spray it. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking in my head, you had to do epoxy or something crazy because they get so beaten up. But no. yeah, if I want, I get like the main question I always get is, can I ride the surfboard? And most of my work, you're just going to probably hang on the wall or outside, like over a tiki bar or something cute like that. But I have done them where you can ride them. And in that case, we do the epoxy. Very cool. Okay. How do you get these surfboard customers or murals? What is your main source of income? Is it murals or surfboards or? Both. Obviously, the murals come less often, and when they come, they're more lucrative, but the boards are more often and a little less each, if that makes sense. So that's like evens out, I would say. And just like the past, since I moved to California, I've stopped doing a lot of the smaller things. I used to do a lot of canvas paintings, and not on purpose, it's just developed that way where I don't have time for the smaller stuff. So that's cool, because that was always the goal to get to that point where I'm just painting boards and doing murals. And it's hard with the surfboards to find that audience because a lot of people with who surf, like, they don't have a lot of money. That's like the lifestyle. It took a while to figure out how to find that niche audience. But once I did, it, it's worked out so far. <laughs> Very cool. Do you follow Drew Brophy? Yes, I follow Drew. I've been to his gallery a bunch since we moved out here. He's awesome. Such yeah. a great great story there. <laughs> yeah, he's so sick. It's just his stuff is great. But your stuff is really good too. I had somebody recommend you and I was checking out your profile and your surfboard. They're high quality. I can see why you're getting a lot of requests for them. You're, you're really good. It's thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, been I a journey. <laughs> I highly recommend anybody. I'll link to your Instagram specifically, but anybody go and check it out. You can just at least put a visual to this interview here and you can see it. Just I feel like it helps to get to know the artist. You can see your face and you can see your work and see, see exactly what we're talking about. But yeah, okay, so you said you. you live in a van with your husband. Yeah, so not a van. We actually, we moved out here. We were sick of rent. So we were looking at buying, but the market was like insane. It was like last summer or June 2022. It was just like insane. It wasn't going to happen. We didn't want to rent. So we ended up buying an RV. An RV. Um, okay, yeah. Okay, so that's yeah. actually a big step up from a van. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I don't think I could do a van. Honestly, I think it's really cool. But I, with my stuff, like my art supplies alone, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, we ended up doing an RV. It's been awesome. I love every second of it. So. Really? Oh my gosh. Okay, I want to see it. I'm going to go to your profile right after this and check it out. I can I'm sure you have a video. Too. Yeah, it's probably in the background of some of my stuff. We have two golden retrievers too, and they love it because we're always like, we stay like we live by Pacific Beach, San Diego, if you know the area. And we stay there for most of the time. But we adventure off from time to time and go to like different places when we can. And I love the freedom of being able to do that. You just pick up and bring your whole house to go to like where you want to go. It's really cool. Wow. So how does that work? You mostly take on... Because you can't keep a bunch of surfboards in there, right? Do you have a stash in the back? or? <laughs> we actually... I got a storage unit here by Pacific Beach for that. Okay. It, just to keep it safe. I have... You can see... I have a crazy truck as well. If you look on my Instagram that we built in the Keys, it's got... I'm actually sitting in it right now because it's a quiet place. Uh, <laughs> but if you can see the video or if you go on my Instagram... We built like a big wooden camper on the back of my truck. So I keep a lot of them in there when I need them more often. But when the ones 
for the ones that I just need to store, I have a storage unit for that. Okay. So I love talking logistics of all of this. It's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any more tips for anybody who wants to do what you're doing? Because I have several students that I was talking to and they love that idea. And I just met an artist in Iowa, Molly, and she lives out of her van. And she was telling me, because it looks really cool. You're like, wow, this is awesome. And she was like, no. She goes, it's great and all, but I live by myself. So it's just her. And so it's, she's like, you got to watch your back. Like, it's not necessarily like the safest yeah. thing to do. But on the other hand, nothing's bad as terribly happened. But she shed a light on that side of it that I didn't really think about. And so is there anything good or bad that you've experienced? Yeah, I feel like there's definitely like the cookie cutter, like Instagram view of the van life, right? Or the RV life. And then there's obviously real life. So I live with my husband at the RV and that can be really tough. It's small. It's really small. And in our bedroom, for example, we have like one little wardrobe. <laughs> really, that's it. So all of my stuff has to fit there. Like all of his stuff has to fit in his. And we're constantly bickering over, I need this little shelf. But at the end of the day, it's just stupid stuff. Otherwise, I really love it. I don't have to worry about feeling unsafe or anything like that. Obviously, I have him with me and two dogs. So it's in that way, I've never even blinked an eye about safety. So I guess that's lucky for me. But I also will say living in a van versus having an RV. I've never lived in a van, but just from my perspective of it, we could keep our RV in a place or we do keep our RV in a place where we're not parking. We're not trying to find somewhere to park every night. I feel like that would be really difficult. I don't know if I could do that. So we have a go to this is where we live like a spot and we do pay like a small rent for it, but it doesn't even compare to what like the housing market is here. So it works out. (laughs) One thing I love about it, like a really huge perk is the freedom of being able to move around like whenever you want. So for example, we took a month long trip up the Pacific coast. We did the whole PCH. We went up to Washington and then we came back like inland a little and did Bend, Oregon and all that and Mount Rainier and all that stuff. So when we were on that trip, we didn't have any rent. (laughs) So that kind of paid for our trip. So that's like a huge thing that I love. We just went to Italy for a month as well. And we put the camper in a $100 storage unit. And we were able to go to Italy with our rent money. Those things, I think, balance out like bickering over a small shelf. <laughs> like who gets the storage? Those pros outweigh the cons by a million, million miles. I love it. I love because a lot of people will say that they want to do it, but you guys really pulled the trigger on this and you're doing it. And I love to talk to people who are, you know, they don't just talk about doing stuff, they're actually doing it. And you're going and seeing all the sites and you're going to have so many great stories and life experiences. And I just love it. So you move around a lot. So it's, it's tough setting up an art business in the town that I'm in and that anybody is in. And I think that's a plus staying in one space because you get to meet people and connect and referrals, but you're moving around all the time and, but you're still making it work. Tell me about that. How are you overcoming that challenge? (laughs) I think it definitely takes like a go-getter personality for sure. Cause everywhere, every time we move, like I'd say every two or three years we move and you get to that new place and you have to like, you have to make it happen quick because you only have two years to figure it out. There's no, Oh, I have time. So like the model that I've tried to set up because I've accepted that this is the life that we're going to live. My husband's going to do, he's going to be in the Coast Guard for life. So we're going to move around a lot and I've accepted that. So the model that in my head tried to come up with is every time we move, create like a network of people and clients that you can now 
take with you wherever you go. And that way, like social media is great for that because those people continue to follow me and I get to keep a relationship with them in that way. But I'm really big on like getting out in the community as fast as I can, showing my face, talking to everyone and figuring it out so that I can start to build that clientele for then when I leave, I can go back and have people now in Key West, Florida that I can go sell art to. Now I'll have San Diego. I have back home in New Jersey. We lived in Maryland for a little bit and Virginia, just all of that sort of stuff. I actually went back last year and I did because the last place we lived was Key West. And I went back there and I did a 10 day tour and I just live painted for 10 days straight at every business that I had built a relationship with, every gallery, every coffee shop, every surf shop down there. And I just live painted and I brought a bunch of surfboards with me and I ended up selling like 10 surfboards while I was down there and ended up meeting a bunch of new people and seeing my old clients and getting to keep that relationship up with them. So that's something that I'm looking at trying to do again and maybe trying to do in other places as well. Very cool. I love it. So how long are you in one spot? Like around, I would say anywhere from two to three years. In some cases, four. We'll be in San Diego probably for a total of only two years. We were in Key West for three. Oh, wow. For some reason, I thought you were going like every other month going somewhere else. And I was like, wait. (laughs) Oh, no. Just like living wise. I've traveled a lot in the past year since we moved here doing work in other places. But living wise, like where my home base is, it'll be the same for two, three years at a time. Very cool. Okay. So where's your next location? Where are you planning on going next? You don't know? <laughs> That's the fun of it. We never know. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. So we were talking a little bit before and you said you do a bit of Instagram outreach and like cold calling kind of a thing. How do you decide who to message and what do you say to them exactly? Yeah. So I focus mostly on like the local area that I'm in. I haven't done it in a while, but when I was first starting out, like I would say... As like a 21-year-old, I was like scared to go into like the local businesses and talk to them. So I would start messaging like just local kind of because I was selling surfboards, right? Like I never did this for my mural work. So I don't know if it would work or not, but I did this for my surfboards when I was starting out. And I would message like a local like place, like something that I thought would fit like the surfboard kind of vibe, right? And I would just say, hi, I'm a local artist. I'm looking to get my work out there reaching out to like local businesses that I think would be interested sort of thing. And I would say, would you be interested in commissioning a custom surfboard for your space? And just got sort of, it was a long time ago that I would do it, but that was the gist of what I would say. And I will say this, most of the time I was not answered or I was told no, but I just kept doing it. And eventually some people would answer. And I actually still to this day, like I messaged one of the Bowl owners, like, seven years ago when I was literally just starting painting surfboards. And to this day, she's like my greatest client and like a great friend. Every time I'm in New Jersey, she's like, I have this list of jobs for you. So she's a wonderful person and still like just from messaging on Instagram. Yeah. Gosh, you never know how just one person can kick off so many different things. So I love that. And I love that you said that a lot of people say no. That's very realistic. (laughs) I did have quite a few boards that way, but she was the only one that really stuck. But of everything, like of all the messages that I sent, if she was the only one that was worth it a million times over, she was, it became like a wonderful client. 
in a really good relationship. Very cool. We have a member just commented. She said that she's in her RV with three kids and she's trying to figure out where to store supplies because of temperature regulations. So she moves around every couple of weeks. So it's a little bit different. Imagine having three kids with you. Oh my God, I'm just going to say, I, like, I, can't, I don't know if I can do that. I have two dogs and that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> same. Dogs. Props yeah. to you. That's awesome. Yeah, once we start having kids, we're going to have to switch it up. I don't know. Okay, so how let's get to the I guess the pricing question that's one thing everybody wants to know how you get jobs and then how are you pricing those jobs those are the two main questions that I get all the time and it's tough because even I like when I get jobs I'm like what should I bid this at that's definitely like the hardest thing I think for artists right I would love to hear like your take on that too but so I just like researched honestly for mural we'll talk mural because the boards are like a whole different thing but we could talk murals. I just researched like what the average square foot price is, right? And like tried to gauge myself because I'm not a beginner, but I'm not like on your level. So I try to figure out it's a guessing game, right? Like, what do I think I'm worth? What do I think? So I pick like a price per square foot, but some of the jobs that I get thrown at me, I'm like, it's not worth only that. Like I've painted murals on corrugated metal. And let me tell you that takes I don't know if you've ever done it, but yeah, too many. Everybody wants an American flag on their corrugated metal barn around here. I'm like, it's worth so much more because it's so much more time to sit there and try to navigate the corrugated metal. So it's just an example. I like certain kinds of brick is so porous that you need double the amount of paint. So I have a base and then I just upcharge for those sort of things. And it's just a guessing game. Like what realistically uh, for me anyway, it's like trying to do the math on the paint and like the time and how much more do I think there's worth. And I've noticed like when I first started, I would always undershoot myself and I'd be sitting there like in the blazing hot sun of QS. Like why? This is worth double what I told them. And so I went through a lot of those learning curves. But now I feel like I have a pretty good hold on what things are worth. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Okay. So if what is your recent couple murals that you've priced out? Like how much time are you spending on them and what kind of designs were they? Yeah, actually, this is a good example. I'm actually going there after this interview to finish it up, but I'm doing a mural at a fire academy. And when they originally reached out to me, I actually, I downloaded Thumbtack. I don't know if you've ever used it. And I, I was, love it. You do? <laughs> Yes. Okay, I'm such, I have to overthink everything and I don't like the idea of being charged for something with it before knowing all the details <laughs> and if I'm going to want to do it. But I just downloaded it recently and this one guy put a listing on there for the Fire Academy and I actually called him. He put his number on there. So instead of going through Thumbtack because I was hesitant about it, I just called him and I was like, I saw your thing and this is what I do and blah, blah, blah. And I ended up getting the job, but he wanted, he was just like, I don't know what I want. And it had to get approved by like all of the people in the academy. So I did my sketch for him and it was very detailed, like super in-depth, cool, like firefighter sketch. And he loved it. And then the person above him loved it. And then the person above, like the top person said, no, we just want something really simple. So I was like, oh man, I was like so excited to do that. So I ended up doing three more like versions, like a simplified version a more simplified version because at that point I had the sketch and I was able to just like edit it on my iPad and just take stuff out. So that was easy. And they ended up picking like the super simple version, like of just the logo on the wall, which is fine. That's what they wanted. But with that, they actually asked me to reduce the price of the mural because this was the original idea. And then this was 
what we came to. So I ended up like, I didn't want to, but it was already like, I felt like I was so in it. I ended up taking like a couple thousand dollars off of the price. So that's the price now. So it was 5,500 and now it's 3,500. So it's like a pretty big, especially when you're just trying to go by square foot, but it made sense because it took me like literally a quarter of the time because I wasn't doing all of the details. So that's where square foot gets weird too, right? Because now I just painted the wall red and put a logo on it versus sitting there and doing all these detailed firefighters. So it's, I don't know. And in that way, I'm easily convinced too. Like I wish I was stronger sometimes, but it's just a learning (laughs) curve. I have a lot to learn with the mural side of it. I've only done maybe 20 or 30 murals. So I'm not, and small, nothing huge. So I'm still learning in that way, but... (laughs) Okay. So for, do you mostly do by square foot is the guesstimate or do you are mostly like look at a project and you're like, that's worth this amount? Yeah. So I just try to have a square foot base and then like upcharge for things that are going to make it more difficult or more material or anything like that. Also outdoor murals. I have a higher base versus indoor murals because you need a more high quality paint and like seal with something maybe sometimes. So that's always like a higher starting base to have it outdoor versus indoor. I don't know if you do that at all, but everyone's so different. (laughs) No, usually not. But that's a really good idea, though, to have something a little bit higher outdoors versus indoors. Because it's, I always say it's a great day when I'm painting on a flat wall inside. (laughs) You really can't beat that. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, Just for you being outside uh, in like the hot sun and stuff, I just feel like that's worth more too. I don't know. It's harder for us being outdoors or indoors. I painted in the snow before and that was really wild. Okay, I was gonna ask, do you have any fun stories for us? Anything anything where anything crazy happened or anything entertaining or lessons learned or anything? Oh my god, I could go write probably write a book on lessons learned. Crazy stories. I will say this, maybe not like a crazy story, but like it's a nice little like lesson learned because it's just fresh in my brain because it was so when I first moved here, I was doing my thing, um, going around to like local stores and galleries and stuff trying to like figure out like where I fit in and I think that's like if you're moving to a new town or even if you're just starting your business where you live now like figuring out where you fit in is important because art is weird it's so subjective it's a luxury so finding your niche of people takes time and it could be like a long road of like discouragement but when you find that little group of people it's like the best feeling ever so anyway I was I just moved here and I was going around and I stopped in a gallery and I was just talking I hit it off with the girl who worked there. She was awesome. She loved my stuff. She just worked there at the desk though. And then she told me to come back to talk to the owner. So I like spent all this time, like I drove over there. I went like another day and I met with the owner. I just introduced myself and he basically told me he hated my art and like straight up to my face. He was like, I don't like it. It's not good. Like you need to consider like taking more classes and like learning basically you suck wow yeah and it really hit me hard it's like wow maybe I'm not like as good as I think maybe I'm not ready but I guess like the lesson learned is it wasn't true it was just a subjective opinion and not to take all of those no's like I was talking about before getting all those no's or not being answered not taking all of that to heart and focusing on the things that are like evolving and growing and positive and you can only succeed from there. So now here I am, like this is probably around a year later and I actually haven't even thought about that guy until like right now. So I've like totally taken off here in San Diego and I've accomplished like 
so many goals that I've set for myself. And if I would have sat there and listened to that guy, what he said that like I suck and I need to take more classes, I would be sitting there trying to learn how to be somebody that I'm not. So I guess that would be like a fun little like lesson learned in that way. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, like you're saying, it's so subjective. Well, one person likes the other person doesn't. And yeah. Yeah. And it's a luxury. So even the people who love your art, they might, they just might not be able to afford it or, and that's okay too. You just have to find the people who love your art and can afford it. Yeah. So I guess what's your advice for finding those people that love your art? You have a very specific style surfboards you'd go to surfboard shops right but say somebody else has a very specific niche maybe how could they find I hate to give advice I know like exactly what I'm talking about because everyone's like always learning but for me what has worked is just putting myself out there like physically putting myself out there going like waking up in the morning and going out in public and live painting or like signing up for events or doing those things that like signing up for me I've signed up for a lot of markets And I go to them not expecting because people aren't walking through a market most of the time to buy artwork. It's usually jewelry or the other type of crafter and vendor sales. But putting my face out there so that people see me and talk to me and know me so that when they need art, they think of me. And building relationships that way and just encouraging people to stay in contact with me through either social media or signing up for my email and I'll send out emails. Every time I make a sale, I also write out a holiday card and put it aside for the holidays. So when the holidays come out, I send those out and then everyone's reminded of me doing. I call it like the old school way. I couldn't tell you how Instagram algorithms work or anything like that. I don't have TikTok. I think I tried it for the month and I couldn't do it. I just really like going out and meeting people and that has worked the best for me. I think that also with art, no matter what style you're doing, when people are buying art from you, I really think they want to like, they're buying the artist over the art. I've noticed I make the most sales with people who like me as a person and feel like they know me. Even like the high clientele, high class clientele, I don't know how you'd say it, but the people who are going to spend a lot of money on your art, a lot of times they want to take you out to dinner and talk to you. And that was really weird for me. I, at first I was like, this is weird, but everyone does it because they really want to know you. They want to know who they're buying from. And it's because they want to continue to buy art from you in the future as well. So I've built over the years, like quite a few relationships like that, just by going and sitting at a farmer's market and making $0 that day. Yeah. Sometimes that stuff like really pays off in my opinion. And I do a lot of live painting events. So I just did one for Surf Rider recently I don't know. They're just like a really well-known foundation, probably like the best ocean foundation sort of thing in the country. So I do a lot of stuff with them. I do stuff with just like local bars of restaurants, just putting my face out there. And sorry if I'm going on and on. The live painting thing is good too, because for me, I could sit here at my RV and I could paint a surfboard and no one will see me do it. Or I can take it down to the beach and paint it. And maybe somebody walking by will need a painted surfboard and they will stop and talk to me. And it happens all the time. And I've built, like I said, a lot of relationships that way. I love it. That was my next question, actually. I was like, okay, so how do you live paint out in public? And you're like, oh, no, I don't sign up for an event. Sometimes I literally just go out in public and paint. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's the simplest thing. I love it. I love that you're so old school (laughs) with it too. And that it works because I feel like a lot of artists, myself included, I would rather just stay in my studio. There's days that I do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like every day like out there, but... Some days I'm like, I just don't feel like it. But it 
even the other day, like I was just down on the beach with my friend and we were taking photos of my surfboard. So even just getting out in public and doing something like that with your work where people could see it. And I was stopped like multiple times. And one girl was like, I've been looking for someone who does this. Like you never know who you're going to run across when you just put yourself out there. There's a certain kind of energy I find too, that when you're out and about and there's people around, it just gives a certain kind of like funness to it. And it's, you might as well just be painting because you're out about, you don't want to just be like texting on your phone. It's almost like it makes you work more. Like when I'm out painting a mural in public, I like paint, but when I'm in my studio, I'll mess around sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean because you don't want people to be like, what if she's not doing anything? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it like cuts out the lazy. <laughs> yeah. And okay. also like there's when I do it, I don't put the pressure on myself because I feel like I don't have the focus that I have in my studio. So I'll go out and I'll get like the gist of the painting done. But I know that when I go home, I'm going to have to do stuff to it. But I spent all that time just putting the base down and like getting the idea of what I'm going to do in public meeting people. Love it. Okay. So any, do you have any last bit of information or tips for anybody who's just starting out who wants to do what you're doing, specifically what you're doing? And they listen to this and they're like, I'm going to go grab a husband and two dogs and get in an RV (laughs) and and live my life as a traveling artist. I think that, so this is just what like fell into our laps and that, The reason that I got to where I am is just like, honestly, following my gut and who I am. Like, I've never tried to be anything else or do anything just because someone else was doing it or anything. And I think that if everyone listening or everyone who's going to listen does that, they're going to be successful. People could see if you're trying to sell your art and you're trying to sell something that's not truly who you are, people are going to see right through that and they're not going to connect with it the same way. So I would say continue making things that you want to make be yourself if you want to go live in an rv just do it (laughs) it's gonna work out it's gonna be awesome if you're just doing it for the wrong reasons don't do it you know what i mean like just do whatever you want to do just do it just how i I used to tell my students that as a teacher and then one day i was like oh my god but i'm not doing what i want to do i'm a fraud i need to quit and i literally walked into the principal's office and quit and then became a full-time artist wow yeah it's crazy so i think that would be like my biggest advice is just to do what you want to do because it's going to work out and you're going to figure it out because you're going to be passionate about it. Yeah. And it took me a while to realize that not everybody wants to paint exactly what I want to paint too. We're all so different. And it took me so long to really be like, okay, I really love pink and glitter and clouds and I, I want to yeah. paint that and, like, yeah. and not be, and still be taken seriously. And, like, oh and, then, and then I did it. It was my best-selling painting. So I totally understand how yeah. exactly Even, what you're saying. Like just off of what you're saying, you had mentioned, I forget if we were recording when you said it, but Drew Brophy, his art is incredible. But, and he pioneered surf art and made it this big, amazing thing. But he's a man and that and he sets the standard of what surf art should be, in in my opinion anyway. And it's amazing and it's awesome. And when I first started painting surfboards, I thought that surf art had to be like him. Like he was my idol. And I would paint those sorts of waves and suns and things. But here I am seven years later and I'm literally painting like flowers and butterflies and girly things on these surfboards. And they're so different. And it's because I hit a point where I was like, I need to paint what I think I want to paint. Just create something because I think it's pretty, because I like it. And that's been, I'm way more successful in that. So that's why I give that advice too. Is the second I started being true to myself when it came to my art 
I was more successful and not, I love Drew's work. I've been to his gallery. It's incredible. It's amazing and inspiring, but it's not like who I am. I think I was trying to like be like him at one point and I should have been doing the things that I wanted to paint deep down. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I started painting animals realistically because I was brought up in the Bass Pro field. <laughs> and I was like thinking that's what I had to do. And now it's same. So we're bringing the femininity to an industry. And yeah, so embrace the girliness. Glitter <laughs> and butterflies and flowers. I love it. Okay, thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on and sharing all the things. This was great. And it was great to get to know you. And you're such a free spirit. And I'm excited to keep following along. So. I will keep following you as well. I love your work. So I, this was an honor and it was wonderful talking to you. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. I've been putting out at least one episode per week for more than four years on this podcast. And it's really cool to see those download numbers go up and up as time goes on. And that's because artists like you listen and share these episodes. So really, when I say thank you, I mean it. (laughs) It's really cool to see progress along the way. And anyway, if you like this type of art and business content, then I highly encourage you to get the audio version of my book, Mural Money, with over 15 hours of listening inspiration. I'm currently running a special of just $17 for the audio version. You can go to muralmoney.com to find it. And that comes with a bunch of extras like my art supply list, my pricing guide, recommended book and podcast list, and so much. more. I filled that book with tips from my art journey of building a profitable mural career. Plus, I've included the best of the best advice from guests I've interviewed on this podcast. It's the most affordable all-in-one book of advice on art and business that I have. And if you enjoy listening to me here, then I know you'll like the book too because I read it myself all 15 hours of it. (laughs) The book is available on Amazon and Audible normally for $25, but if you go to muralmoney.com, that is where you can grab the special $17 deal while it lasts. If you haven't listened to my book yet, this is your sign to do it. Again, normally $25, running a special for $17, but you have to go to muralmoney.com. That's where you can grab the audio version of it. And that's all I have for you today. So I will see you next week for another episode of the Artist Academy podcast.